Welcome back to another GVO podcast, the Good Vibes Only podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest on, Zubio. He's the host of the Tama Medic podcast, and he's like the Dr. Michael Simmons. He gives insights into the medicine world, and I give insights into the veterinary world. And then we compare the, the two. Otherwise than that, we talk about how it is to be an international student in a foreign country. And as usual, we are uncut, unfiltered, and uncensored. Enjoy today's episode. It's like English tea, but it's naturally vanilla scented. So. Oh, so it's naturally, yeah. okay. Yeah. Do you often like fly a lot of stuff back from Mauritius to mm. Hungary? Or is that only me that does that? Well, you know that Mauritius is very far. So yeah, I'm hungry. So I can only travel there once a year, and usually, if my parents do come, so my mom usually comes during the exam period, so November. Like she was here last year as well. Then she brings me like medication. She brings me the tea and spices and everything. Uh, usually medication, because as you know, in Hungary, you need a prescription for everything. Yeah. Even the antibiotics. You don't. You don't e- easily Mauritius, get no. something. Yeah. In Mauritius, um, my mom's friends with the pharmacist there, so she's like, "Oh, Zubair needs this and that," and usually that's how medication I get it from her directly. So, okay, yeah. and then like other stuff you fly over because I tell you now, if I fly back from South Africa to Budapest, yeah, I pack at least two packs of like breakfast porridge, <laughs> yeah, a bunch of tea, uh-huh. a bunch of like good South African wines, normally yeah. brandy as well. Yeah. And then, what do I also fly? I just, medicine, obviously, yeah. of course. I don't trust Hungarian medicine. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> From yeah. a med student coming as well. I was hospitalized for a week and I was like, yeah, no. I mean, they did take really good care of me, but the use of medication there, they, so they try to avoid using medication at all costs. Because you know, okay. antibiotic resistance, right? So in worst case scenarios, then they could give me antibiotics. So when I stayed there for a whole week, so I got like um, my tonsils removed. Okay. Uh, they got inflamed and they started bleeding nonstop. So they didn't know the reason why. And usually in Mauritius, they give you antibiotics to kill like directly the bacteria, right? They were like, no, we don't use antibiotics. We want to you know your own immune system to react to it. But the first three days I was like suffering. I could barely speak and everything. And then the doctors came on the fourth day and they were like, okay, probably we have to give him antibiotics. Whereas in Mauritius, they'll give you directly and then see how it works. If it works on the first day, then they continue it for a week and then they stop it, you know? Um, so. As a quick question, as a medical student who like often needs to work with like antibiotic resistance yeah. and stuff, how, what is happening there? What is this whole antibiotic resistant crisis that people talk about? So basically, um, okay, antibiotics usually, you know, to kill the bacteria, right? Yes. And what happens is there's a large amount of antibiotics in the market and they all serve the same purpose. So what usually humans do is, for example, if I have like a flu, I'll take antibiotics for like one day, it works and then I stop. But what happens in your body is then the bacteria, uh, majority will be killed, but the ones that aren't killed, they get, they take in this antibiotic substance and get resistant to it and start multiplying with the same substance that the antibiotic is made up of. So basically, if after a month you start using the same antibiotics again, it won't kill any bacteria because they're resistant to it. So then the people will go from antibiotic to antibiotic, and that's how antibiotic resistance comes about. And then you build like these super strong bacteria that can't get killed. You build resistance, so yeah. Okay, yeah, Yeah. because that's currently like, even in 
like vet school and stuff like yeah. that it's very they're trying to really drill it into your head that listen yeah. antibiotics at least take your full course yeah. because if you don't take the full course you end up with those resistant bacteria that yeah. stay over they keep on growing and then you have yeah you can't really not stop it necessarily but it's much yeah. harder to kill and get better i always had this question so for example us we're homo sapiens right so we're one species so okay. antibiotics works for everyone but how is it in vet school since you guys have different species of animals right yeah so see in mm-hmm. i would say vet school is very complicated in the fact that animals are very so much the same yet very different yeah. on small aspects so I must give credit to veterinary medicine that these students, we study a lot. We know a lot more of a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, we know a little of a lot, where you guys know a lot of a little. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And yeah. I feel like there's sometimes this misconception that, like, medicine is harder than veterinary. Oh, 100% or like, vet is harder. 100%. Well, it, it, it's still medicine, so it's at least equal, but... Yeah. Still, I, I must give my fellow vet students yeah. a bit of credit that like... No, absolutely. We, yeah. So, regarding your question, uh, the antibiotics that you use, for example, on most animals, it differs. So, certain like antibiotics... I'm trying to think of good uh, like examples to give but i know for horses like your cephalosporins and stuff like that or your extended antibiotics for penicillin your extended spectrum penicillins Mm -hmm. for what you use necessarily for like dogs which is like your paparicillin that you don't use in uh equine because it just doesn't work and it's the same with like certain medicines so like the one medicine that you'll use for horses and stuff for example like tranquilizer like ketamine ketamine is supposed to like tranquilize the horse so you can do operations or at least uh it's most like yeah in cats you can't use that in cats you can't use that because that causes excitation it's like the exact opposite of what you want so during medical procedures doesn't make sense to use ketamine Okay, I get your point. So th- basically, different species has different antibiotics that works for them, right? Yeah, they have like certain medicines just work better for dogs mm-hmm. and cats and then for like ruminants, like yeah. bigger animals, different stuff works. How and why? Mm-hmm. I don't think we necessarily understand. Yeah. But it just via trial and error, via like checking, okay, Give this, give that, give that. Yeah. After five years, you realize, okay, I'm not going to give True. ketamine to cats. Like, it's a bad yeah. choice. Yeah. Is there, like, a specific species that you want to, like, specialize in? or Because I know you guys have a lot of specialities, right? Okay, so this is actually an interesting thing. Um, I would say veterinary has three main aspects to it. Almost four. I'll, I'll include four. So you have your small animals, yeah. which is your dogs and your cats. Yeah. Then you have your farm animals, which is your producing animals like cattle, sheep, pigs and stuff like that. And then you have equine. Equine is almost on its own. And then the fourth one I want to say is your exotics. Now, what... Like snakes and stuff, right? Reptiles? Reptiles, birds, 
primates, stuff like that. So I'm very in between of what I want to go into. I started like, I actually have a good friend. He has two pet monkeys, capuchin monkeys. In South Africa? In South Africa, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Damn. So okay. he has two capuchin monkeys and it's the... I swear to you, there's the smartest animal alive. They are imagine. so smart. Yeah. Like, you you know how... Do you have dogs or something? Uh, I had home? a cat, passed okay. away. But then majority fish. Majority fish. Yeah. So, for example, like, your cat. You know how they have, like, certain personality traits? Or, That's like, there's certain, like... They stay a cat at the end. Yeah. But they do have, like, something that differentiates them. Now, monkeys have a lot the same they have very intricate personalities like they i don't know i really like monkeys <laughs> well it sounds strange but after i met them i was like maybe there is uh, it's very niche but maybe there is opportunities for me to go into the primatology field and experience that maybe is the field pretty big back in South Africa? Because I can imagine you want to go back home after you graduate, right? Or do you want to stay in the EU? Interesting. Um, I would like to go one day back to South Africa. Okay. Uh, not necessarily anytime soon mm-hmm. due to political and economical reasons. Mm-hmm. I would not necessarily want to go back as soon as I graduate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but later on in my life, 100%, because I still believe till today, South Africa is one of the best countries in the world. Uh, ran by a bunch of imbeciles, uh-huh. <laughs> said nicely, uh, yeah. but it's still a very nice country. It's, um, okay. yeah. So I'll probably stay in the EU or something like that, yeah. stay abroad for now, but. Any country in mind? Mm, not yet okay it, it's too far in the future to know Fair. exactly what i i want to do but so the market for monkeys and primates and stuff in south africa it's more chilled it's mm-hmm. more um openly accessible when eu mm-hmm. you know the european union has very strict laws on That's animal true. welfare mm-hmm. so for example I, we need to know a lot about animal welfare because that's almost something that the vets need to know. Yeah. You know, like, you probably have, like, human welfare or something. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, our aim is not to kill our patients, so... Ethics. Probably, probably, like, just ethics. Yeah, exactly, ethics, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yo, your, your ethics is our animal welfare. And the thing about animal welfare is there's very strict laws, especially in EU, mm-hmm. where, like... Primates, you can't even do any research on it. And then if you need to do research on it, it's very, you need very high up clearance. Okay. Where in countries like America, America has seven primate research centers, Damn. which sounds excessive. Yeah. And you can totally see why there's an animal welfare point in view. Mm-hmm. But if you understand how much help it is for the research environment, to have, uh, to do tests on new pharmaceuticals, new drugs, yeah. new whatever, on animals that are so similar to us, so genetically similar to us, that it helps. I mean, most vaccines, the HIV vaccine, yeah. a lot of the COVID vaccines that needed to get produced, they needed monkey tests 
or research on primates, non-human primates, to ensure that it doesn't yeah. go into the market and just kill everyone, you know? Yeah. I mean, the same issue, I don't know if um, you heard about it, but Mauritius is like one of the mass producing countries that exports monkeys, like illegally. To different oh, countries. illegally! Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I didn't know that until I met a Mauritian friend who goes, who does veterinary medicine as well, and then she worked there for like doing summer practice in Mauritius, and she said it was horrible, like the conditions. They had like thousands of monkeys in cages, and just you know they export them to like EU countries, Australia, and everything. Indonesia is a big market. Yeah, or even Asia. Yeah, so, Asia is a huge so market. It's apparently, it's like it's not known because it's very secretive. But yeah, so I didn't know Mauritius had such a thing as well. I would so. expect like Madagascar or something, you know, yeah, like all the humans and stuff there. Yeah. And yeah, but I guess the laws in Mauritius when it comes to veterinary medicine is pretty, pretty chill as well. I, I can presume compared to like yeah. Europe or exactly. something like that. Like True. I would say same yeah. same for South Africa also. Yeah. South Africa yeah. has we have laws and stuff, but it's not, it's not as well yeah. regulated as yeah. the rest of. Because you do have that underground, secretive, yeah. I don't know, bullshit. That I think it's in on. every country, to be honest. But Yeah, true. I think in like more developing countries, yeah. it's more prevalent. Yes. Like, look at Brazil yeah. and stuff like that. They, yeah. They're just as corrupt as South That's Africa. Like, yeah. And coming to your point about uh, if I want to go back to Mauritius to practice as a doctor, probably not. Not for now. Like, basically the same point as you said. You want to stay in the EU and then maybe in the near future go back home. So in my case, it's pretty much the same. Um, Is there a reason why? Is there a reason behind it? Uh, First of all, the pay. Second of all, opportunities. Mauritius is corrupted. And to get a good place in the hospitals and stuff, you need political connections, you know. Not even like doctor connections, but political connections. Yes. Like you you have to know someone who's pretty high up in the hospital or clinics to give you a place. So, one of the reasons why I want to make my, like my own name, like have my own speciality or something going on for me, and then, you know, and also use the resources that EU gives you, because Mauritius lacks in a lot of resources when it comes to medicine, whereas the EU pretty much has everything, like robotic surgery, uh, AI, like stuff which, you know, in the future I do want to learn, the new skills. You have more advanced tools in the exactly. EU than, yeah. for example, Mauritius. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I want to specialize in surgery like right now i'm only a second uh, year specific I, surgery or cardiology okay 100% cardiology right now i'm working in a research um, group in cardiology okay We're analyzing like okay, circle of willis i don't know if you know it circle basically of willis, the circulation okay. of the brain from the back oh yes. yeah okay so, yeah that yeah it's there between your pituitary no exactly. is it pituitary yeah, exactly yeah. yeah look at you i guess <laughs> i guess veterinary events was pretty much the same <laughs> But yes, um, so I'm researching on that. But at the same time, I do get the chance to watch a lot of heart, like surgeries. Like yesterday morning, I watched a heart transplant and a carotid reconstruction as well. Where do you see this? On uh, YouTube? Heart clinic. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you actually go into yeah, yeah, yeah. the clinic. It's not like online yeah. or something. No, okay. so my supervisor, she's a surgeon. So then she's like, oh, in the free time, if you want to see me, you know, operate on someone, just come and just get the, the experience if you want to. And since I'm interested in surgery, I was like, yeah, of course, I'm going to go. I'm not going to say no. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an hour away from, uh, it's in Buddha side. So oh, of course. Yeah, that's why. But it's worth it. It's like six hours. So I stand for six hours, watch the whole surgery. And then in the middle, my supervisor will be like, okay, what is this? And I'll be like, oh, it's the common carotid artery, jugular vein, you know, the nerves. Yeah. 
So it's a kind of like a better way to reinforce the learning since anatomy was in first year and I kind of forgot anatomy, right? Because throughout the years, the knowledge phases out, you know? So then gradually with these surgeries, it comes back to me as well. So yeah. yeah, with medicine especially, like yeah. there's a lot of information that you need to get into your head. Yes. And it's like the same for veterinary medicine. No, 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 I mean yeah. medicine in general. Yeah. If it's to do with animals, if it's to do yeah. with human, medicine is just a lot to take in. Do you want to do surgery? I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know yet. I'll, well, see, the monkey field is very... The primate field is very... Yeah. It's... You have research, you have conservation, and then you have private. Yes. That's pretty much what you, you, what you are looking at. You are looking at mm-hmm. conservation where you are making, we are following these animals in the Congo and yeah. their natural environment, seeing how they behave, seeing how they act. Maybe sometimes like going in to like help an injured animal, but most of the time you are just conservating them. You are just observing them. Yeah. Then you have research, of course, research is research, so new uh, medicines get developed, new things. You are at the forefront. You are at the forefront of what is the next step in human medicine, in essence. And then private, see, private primatology is, that is a cash grab. Mm -hmm. That is a money grab. Understand, Europe doesn't allow uh, animals like especially primates to be held as like like a dog or a cat yeah. they don't allow that so what other places are you looking at you're looking at america which is america yes <laughs> uh you're looking at saudi yeah. you're looking at the sheikhs and stuff yes and then you're looking at indonesia because yeah. indonesia is just a big open market for large a lot of a lot of exotic animals it's sometimes scary if you know about it but the, a large amount of exotic animals go to Indonesia and get spread from there to wherever they want it. I don't know. Damn. One or other rich Chinese billionaire that wants a tiger, two tigers. Damn. Yeah. So those stuff that you see in movies is actually real. I was, I was now, when I was back in South Africa, I went to, shout out to Mystic Monkeys. Sick place, amazing place. Like in they, South Africa? Yeah, in South Africa. It's like a private zoo. Okay. And your, is it Krista Simon? I'm not sure if that's her name that runs it. But she literally does one of, she's the biggest exporter of large exotic animals throughout the world, in, especially from South Africa. So she has like, I think she has one of the largest monkey collection species, like for the species, uh, in South Africa. Like we we were lucky enough to have the opportunity to actually uh, play with some of the chimpanzees she has. Damn, like her personal chimpanzees. Her personal chimpanzees. So she has like from let's say one to two years old. These chimpanzees live with her in her house. So they like little children running around. Yeah. And then like when they get older, like four-ish, five-ish, yeah. they move into like a big cage. Not a, it's not even a cage, it's like an exhibit. They have like large amount of space for whatever. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I'll say it was an amazing experience. I would definitely want to see that actually. <laughs> and, we, and what's your point of view of like zoos and stuff? 
Oh, I despise you. Okay. I hate uh-huh. you. There's like. So let me we just close this window. Oh yeah. Right? Some... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's way better. Yeah, yeah, the, the city is just, I don't know, they're cleaning up the streets or something. Uh, so, no, I, I despise zoos. Like, as a young kid, you, like, mm-hmm. you get experience to like zoos and it's yeah. cool because you see these amazing animals. And I understand the point of view of wanting yeah. to have a zoo. It's like good conservation and stuff like that. But and I think the conditions that these animals are put into and mm. the interactions that they get is not fulfilling. They live a miserable life, I think. Some of those animals really live a miserable life. We used to have a polar bear in the South African zoo. Uh, we actually live very close to the zoo, but there it was, it's South Africa. It's not, a polar bear yeah. should not be there. It's not its habitat. Yeah. So they would put like excess amount of ice in the exhibit to try and like keep it close enough to its habitat. Yeah. But like two years, three years in, it died. It died of heat, exhaustion, just yeah. bad conditions. And then you look and you're like, is a zoo really that good for the animals? Is it really, do you really care about animals if you yeah. put them in a zoo? I get your point, that's true. I mean, my perspective was that people who never... I think I'm getting cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Busy man. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, continue with your... Um... Yeah. Is it urgent? You can pick it no, up. No, 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 it's fine. Okay. I'll just tell him I can't talk now. Ah, it's okay. It's fine. Ah, yes? Yeah. I mean, my point of view was the whole aspect of growing up, it's like I've imagined people who've never traveled before. So their only way of direct contact of seeing an animal is through a zoo. Okay. Yeah. That's, I get the point. But then obviously down the line, after you grow up and kind of realize the conditions they are. Like I was reading research papers on like, for example, dolphins, like in the zoo, their life expectancy is usually like over 20 years or something. But then in the zoo, it's like maximum a year or two. I mean, I heard stuff like that. So yeah. I can understand the point of like, you're right. As, as much as you despise zoo, it's yes. It doesn't go correlate with the actual habitat of the animal. So. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of the times the yeah. animals also become fat. In, okay. Yeah, because they don't, they don't run. They don't chase for their oh, food. Oh, that's true. They have like, yeah. I'm thinking about like large cats, for example. Yeah. That's what first popped in my head like of course you want to see a lion and tiger and jaguar in the zoo because that's you know you can't see them in nature because they like scary animals so like you see them in the zoo and it's i mean great but they end up being overweight uh constantly going in like these uh cycles it's almost like behavior cycles so when animals get really stressed they, humans all also do it. You, a lot of people don't realize it, but like, let's say you get confronted on a touchy subject that you are not yeah. uh, necessarily happy to deal with, or you don't want to be in a situation. Mm-hmm. You get eye twitches. You get yeah. your hands start moving. You get these. You get sweaty and exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like all these True. symptoms that happen yeah. if you get anxious. 
animals exactly the same exactly the same they end up uh, like for example a large cat would walk from cage like side to side in the cage because mm -hmm. it it feels anxious it doesn't have space to go it feels almost yeah. trapped I would say and that causes these behaviors of it can even become like destructive I would say to a point where these animals like over cleanse themselves so like they constantly like lick and try to yeah. clean them and then that leads to like physical damage to their skin so it's like I don't know it's, it's sometimes cruel I can see how zoos are there is benefits to it but I personally and I feel most vets have not necessarily denied the biggest liking to a zoo Mm -hmm. No, I can understand that. Mm. I mean, from how you're explaining it, to me, it's like I can see how much you love animals. Like, I can see the way how you talk about animals. It's crazy to me. I mean, I got it because when I last time I went out with like vet students, and then it was just me and a friend of mine, like from medical school, and then the vet students were talking about their life, and one of them even started crying about how the cows back at home were mistreated. And we were just like, they're like, damn. Girls crying over a cow when, yeah, what is when we've yeah. never cried over a patient, you know? It's yeah. like, we get sad, we pity the patient, but at the end of the day, we're helping them to the max. But there's always going to be this boundary between a doctor and a patient. Because as I told you, like, for example, when I had my psychology class, we learned where if you want to help a patient, you can't become too friendly and at the same time give them the best treatment. There should be a boundary between helping the patient and being good at your job. Kind of this aspect. Do you know what I call that? I call that professionalism. Yes, exactly. It's being a professional. Yeah. It's it's yeah. being able to distinguish normal life and your professional life. You yeah. know, you need to like you don't take it. you don't take the work back home. No, you leave it home. You leave it at work and then come back home to fresh your know, new surrounding with your family and everything. But I guess with vets, you guys. Are, I mean, you love animals. I can see it. So like when you, the way you deal with animals, I can presume that you guys get very affectionate towards them, right? And yeah. as you said, vets are like, the highest suicide rate is among vets. Yeah, so that's, I don't think a lot of people know about that, but mm -hmm. like the work of the highest suicide rate is veterinary because a lot of these people end up, I almost want to say it's more in small animal medicine then uh, so like the dogs and your cats yeah. and your companion animals where you just run out of empathy you have like yeah. you've given it everything towards mm. these animals and then every time just a piece by piece mm. by piece yeah. an animal dies or it gets the like for example a patient would come in which you can cure you can cure this illness yeah. but it costs let's say a thousand euros yeah mm. and then in not everyone can just pick out a thousand yeah. euros and you know, save Fifi, save yeah. Fifi quick, quick for me. No, and then that leads to, you know you can save it and you know you can, there is a treatment for it, but the owner is just like, no. So what do you end up doing? You euthanize it. Yeah. And I think that is, that trauma that you don't discuss or necessarily get rid of, mm -hmm. that causes a lot of veterinarians to... Uh, go into that state of depression and suicide and stuff like that because you don't make that break between uh, being a veterinarian yeah. and being an animal lover. 
Yeah, you I know. Can, I can get. Yeah, I get. You that. understand what I mean? I'm yeah. talking very abstract here yeah. now, but that's yeah. what I almost want to but say. Why is the treatment so expensive? Um, is there isn't there like insurance for animals? Okay, like how Sometimes. humans have. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for example, the health can hungry. If you have a tie card, it's medical is medical care is free for everyone. But it's not. The, isn't it the case for animals? Because I know, like every Hungarian has at least one pet you know a lot of them yeah have, exactly yeah. a lot of them so have. there's no insurance plans towards animals or i don't know yeah I, yeah that's crazy, interesting but, that like because for me i see it as because it's my field i'm like oh i don't even think about that yeah. but there's not there is insurance for animals but it's not like every human has health insurance yeah not every dog and cat has health insurance it's yeah. not a thing it's not a priority yeah. or it's not it's not there yet so a lot of the times what ends up happening is is uh that you need to pay for these treatments Mm -hmm. and if you are like in europe it's okay in europe it's okay because it's people are more economically stable they have euros to back them up they have extra money south africa you go to some places these people don't even care about their dog if you tell them, bring me a piece of bread and I'll save your animal, they wouldn't even care. They don't even care about that. Animals are just, you know, and in, that feels like a slap to the face if you are a veterinarian that cares a lot about animals because you care and you do care, yeah. but other people don't. So you're like, I'm doing the best I can and you don't want that. Like, imagine... You have a friend, let's say, and he got ill, or even just a patient. Make it less personal. And you tell him, take these, you have heart failure, take these diuretics, and let's say whatever medicine you need to help the heart, Mm -hmm. like what? Alpha one agonist or something like that. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure if that's the Running right one. The physio, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the pharmacology. Yeah, yeah but <laughs> talking out of my ass, <laughs> like completely. Um, like for example, that, and then it just the patient's just like, no, mm-hmm. I want to die. Yeah. Well, in essence, and then you don't even have that decision. Yeah. It's the owner does it for you. So it's like, like he doesn't sign the papers of like if he needs to go undergo surgery. To be able to live, and he says no, he doesn't want to sign the paper. I yeah, I get your point. I hope I don't experience such situation, but yeah. Uh, how did you get into medicine, if I may may ask? Like, like, how did you decide the journey from Mauritius to Budapest? From I don't know, maybe something else. You came yeah. straight straight from high school, just like me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's a big move. Personally, for me, when yeah. you are that young, that almost inexperienced, naive, yeah. all these things, and you just get thrown into the new yeah. world, into this... Yeah, I mean, basically, it was during COVID, right? So, I was the year of COVID. I think you were as well, right? 2021, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Well, 2020, I, I graduated yeah. high school. Okay. And in 2021, start, yeah. like, January, February, I mm. moved the first time to Budapest. So yeah. I graduated 2021. Okay. Because um, my exams, so I did A levels. It was postponed by a whole year because of COVID. Oh, so no. it was basically a gap year. So for nine so, months, I was home. 
Yeah. So you were born in 2002? 2001, 29th December. 29th. Basically, start of 2002. Okay, okay. Technically. Because yeah. we didn't have a gap year. We kept on going yeah. with our high school, yeah. even though it was middle COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, no one had, mm-hmm. no one studied anything because everything was online, yeah. of course. And yeah, it was just bullshit. That's why our, our government knew that no one was actually attending online classes and everything. So they just postponed the whole exam period uh, the following year. So okay. 2021. So then we went back to school end of 2020. And yes. then we resumed everything. And then once I graduated, my parents were like, we're not going to allow you um, a gap year. Because Asian parents, you know. My dad was like, no. Whatever you do, you have to start uni. You're already like 20. Uh, so what are you going to do? And I was like, okay, let me think about it. And um, usually I applied two years back. To do medicine in like in the UK, and okay. I got a seat for one uh, medical university, but the deadline was during COVID, and I obviously I couldn't fly during COVID, and they were like, no, they're not taking international students, just local students. So I had to reapply, which takes two years, because to apply to the UK you have to apply two years before to get a seat in the year you want. To. That's ridiculous. I know yeah, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but at the same time, I think it was a blessing in disguise. Because then I would have never discovered Budapest, and also medicine is very expensive. Like in the UK, it's for international students, it's crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. And imagine for six years of med school, it's crazy. Whereas then I did my research, and luckily I got in contact with a Mauritian girl who was already at Samovice. So I studied in Samovice in Budapest, and um, she was like, "Oh, come to Budapest. Like I'm pretty sure you're gonna like it. The tuition mm-hmm. fee is." It's the cheapest uh, medical school. It's still very expensive. It's still very expensive. But considering the UK to Budapest, it's really nothing. So I agree with that. Yeah. So it's less expensive, and also living standard of living here is pretty cheap. Like mm-hmm. I can order out; I wouldn't mind. Um, okay, ordering out after a couple of months it does get expensive. <laughs> but if you come here, like considering how if I wouldn't have been able to order out if I was in the UK. I'd have to cook every day. Yeah, but here it's okay. I can ordering out once or twice yeah. per week. That's really not that bad. That's exactly. very okay. Yeah. So I flew with my dad here, and then instantly. So I'm a type of person who loves history. So that you know the old historic buildings and the vibe was yeah. already an attraction, and also the Hungarian Parliament and the Fisherman Bastion, like those top places. Anything down the Danube is just exactly amazing. It's exactly. a beautiful city. It's a beautiful and city. it's not too big, not too small. Like London is massive, so I'm I can like I can be overwhelmed by everything. Miss mm. Budapest, there's always something. So if you want to go, for example, partying, there's only one place to do it. You know, so like it's specific, yeah. specific places to go out with friends, bars, and everything. And I I agree with that. It is a very small city. Exactly. Like for you to travel half an hour. Yeah. In the city, you are really going outside. Yes. You are. Exactly. Definitely traveling. Yeah. And public transport is amazing. Uh, it covers it's ridiculous. Everything. It's what you pay yeah. like. Three thousand forums. Yeah, barely anything. Which is fifteen euros. Yeah, for a month for every transport, <laughs> metro, <laughs> tram, literally yeah. everything. Which is not the same in the, in London, where you have to take three to four trains just to get somewhere. Yeah, the underground is also expensive. It's very expensive. <laughs> it's like expensive. three pounds for just by tapping every yeah. time. Yeah, so, exactly. You take five yeah. rides. Yeah, and then you. It's already ten pounds just on one ride sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It's no. Budapest for that reason yeah. is yeah we are and, just a really good city. And also, some of us is pretty in the ranks. It's pretty up there, mm. and it's one of the top medical, uh, top one percent of medical schools in the whole EU. So I was like, yeah, why not? And I came here, visited it, 
And the, my emotional friend made me visit the uni and everything. I was like, yeah, definitely going there. And uh, the student life was crazy as well. It was really nice. Very international, very diverse. Yes. And yeah, I just... It is very diverse. Uh, One very uh, interesting thing for me is compared to veterinary and uh, medicine mm-hmm. in Semmelweis, you guys have a much larger population of Iranians, of Persians. <laughs> yes, we do. Like, it's so... Because yeah. I did my yeah. pre-med. I did my pre-med at McDaniel. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And yeah. then they, obviously, it's Korean, Japanese, it's a mix. Yeah, and then a lot of Persians, a lot of people, there's Germans, yeah. sometimes Norwegians, like it's a bit of everything. Yes. But yeah. we also then I Africans. moved. Yes, definitely yeah. a few South Africans. Do you know Some of the South Africans. I know well. currently like two South Africans that study at McDaniel. Oh, okay. But back in, when I was there, yeah. there wasn't really. There were two South Africans, okay. uh, Delia and Beth. Beth didn't manage to uh, get into the university yeah. and poor Delia, like the embassy, the Hungarian embassy, mm-hmm. lost her documents. Imagine losing your yeah. birth certificate. Not you losing it. Yeah, them. <laughs> them yeah. losing it. And yeah. then she needed to like wait a year before she could actually go back and study Damn. at Budapest. I went eight times to the immigration office just to get my residence permit. And it took a year. Yeah. yeah. I had to apply for you. Because I was stuck here. Because you can't leave the country without a residence permit. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to use a crazy story? But this is just pure luck. This is just pure yeah. luck. So, not luck. The unlucky and lucky at the same time. So, I left. I did like... I met my mom in Paris. And then we did like a small France tour and stuff like that. Just checked mm-hmm. it out. And then after that... I went through to Germany for a small while and then from there I flew back south to South Africa. Yeah. And in Paris, the one night we go out, good good fun, I need to catch my flight to München mm-hmm. and I lost my wallet. Oh. So I have my passport so yeah, I can yeah. still fly. Yeah. I lose my wallet. Like my ID cards, my residence permit will come in very important later. Everything lost it. I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I fly back home thinking I got my temporary residence permit, but they yeah. wouldn't allow me back if I flew back with my temporary res- temporary residence, residence permit. Yeah. And now I'm back in South Africa and I'm like starting to stress because I need my residence permit. I need to be able to go back. I contact a few friends here. I'm like, please do me a solid. I'll pay for you to like just get my residence permit at one of the offices um, and ship it back to me. Yeah. And like, understand, I have still a week left to travel. I have a week before my flight. Uh-huh. I'm like starting. I'm like, you know, the shakes start coming. Yeah. The, the yeah. nervousness, yeah. the ang- anxiety starts rising. The day of my flight, that morning, I fly 2 p.m. That morning, 9 a.m., I pick up my residence permit at the closest, like, shopping or, like, shipping place, the DHL. Pick my residence permit off there, fly over. Like, there was no no, luck. Pure, pure luck. Pure, pure luck. If it was a day longer, I was screwed. Because my... Thought behind it was, do you know what? 
what I'll do is my temporary residence permit, mm-hmm. I'll tell them because I have proof and documentation saying that my documents were stolen. The police know about this. This is my temporary residence permit that is given to me by them so I can still travel. If I didn't have the permanent one, the card one, they would have said, go home. You were 100%. 100%. Like, yeah, very lucky, very lucky. But how long did it take? Like, you asked your friends to do your residence permit here. How long did it take for it to come? At least a month. Okay, at least it was a month. at yeah, least a month. Sense. It was during some. It was a while. It was, yeah. And like I've had previous problems with, uh, like residence permits yeah. and stuff like that because, for you, you also need a visa to go here, right? Uh, or does the Mauritian government have like? Yeah, we have a. They have a partnership with the Hungarian government. Okay. So we don't need a visa. We can stay here for three months, but we need like a student visa. But they count the student visa uh, for me for like a residence permit. Wow. So basically, the residence permit is my visa to stay here. That's know? great. Yeah, South Africans, we don't have that. We don't have don't, that. Yeah. You guys need a visa to even go to the UK. So. It, for everything. <laughs> we need a visa for everything. And still yeah. our passport is still really strong. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. No, that's good. It's That's it's a good. nice thing to yeah. have. It's a nice thing to have. Yeah, we have the most yeah. suckish, I don't know, whatever, passport. Imagine a country with only one million people is able to you know, travel anywhere with no visa. The US, we need one, but I already have one. It's just, it was like a month process in Mauritius where you just go and get interviewed and okay. then they give you a 10 year visa. Okay, 10 year yeah. visa, yeah, yeah, that's grand. Yeah. yeah. I also, like, I wanted to go to the UK to do some vet work there and I got denied. I got denied because the I needed a visa. I didn't have like one or other documentation regarding university of when I started or something. Yeah. And they were like, okay, it's incomplete documentation. Damn. I can't go. And now like I missed a whole month of like good work I could have done. Yeah. Just because I'm South African and I need a visa to go to the UK. Like yeah. if I was in a hypothetical world, Mauritian, <laughs> yeah, I would have had a job. I or not a job, but at least yeah. summer work. True. You know, true. I mean, you can always m- marry a, a Mauritian girl. You know, you just get the <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the green card. Yes. Just, it is yeah, basically yeah. it is. But yeah. Uh, and what else do you do outside of med school? Because I feel like mm-hmm. medicine students should. Not a lot of them do it, but it is healthy to yeah. have something on the side to Absolutely. keep you busy and stuff Absolutely. like that. Uh, the gym. That's okay. my main... The thing is, my schedule is already packed as it is, so I can fit it only the gym. Before I was doing swimming, um, there's a... I mean, some of us has its own swimming like gym thing, but it's too far. So okay. I usually go to a private one, uh, because there's a... In the middle of some of us, there is a university which is close by. So they have their Oh, own I know what you're talking about. Ludovica, I think, if you don't know. Ludovica, yeah, yeah. 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 Do they actually have swimming yeah, horses? They have very nice uh, horse-like yes. riding yeah. and stuff there, yeah. And yeah, they have everything. And it's open to the public. So mm-hmm. usually on the Sundays, I would go there. But right now, I haven't been for a while. Because the exam period just ended last week. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so basically the gym and this. I do podcasts. Social media, so Instagram, TikTok, and soon enough YouTube. I, I actually met you at one of the uh, coat ceremonies. White coat of, ceremonies. Yeah, the white coat ceremonies at Semmelweis, and we were taking photos there. Yes. Are you big into taking photos, uh, videos, yes. stuff like that? Like, so I'm in the student union, 
uh, of the university. So basically, we organize the white coat ceremonies and the major events for international okay. students. And yeah, I was the photographer on that day. Yeah. Okay, and then like, have you always liked stuff like that? Because I yeah. feel like I don't have a very artistic eye. Mm-hmm. If you know, I'm more yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, I'm more left-leaning brain, you know, the more like <laughs> yeah, yeah. math, what a lot of stuff like that, yeah, yeah. more analytical, logistics, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that I'm okay in. The whole creative side of maybe painting, maybe taking nice photos, yeah. seeing things from different angles, that does not come that easy. For me, it's, I would say it's both. For example, I don't see myself as a painter. I don't have the patience for that, nor the creativity. Like anything to do with like physical creativity, I'm not good at it. Uh, even when I take pictures, I don't do the editing. I leave that to my friends who are good at editing. Yeah. So in my mind, it's the action that I like. For example, the act of actually just taking a picture and looking it through the small screen and seeing, you know, how real it is. That's what I like. But the editing and you know the masking and everything, that's not my thing. <laughs> because I can't sit down and I I mean differentiate between a dark yellow and a bright yellow you know in the editing for me it doesn't make sense but I have friends who like they love this aspect so I just leave that to them and when it comes to podcasts or like when I do like Instagram reels or TikTok it's mostly related to medicine like I just want you know like Dr. Mike I don't know if you know him he's like a YouTuber I think I know about him yeah I've definitely seen him or watched some of his YouTube videos or something yeah I want to be the type of medical student where or doctor that I can uh give advice to people on the net as well because you know how there's like so much fake information when there was covid and stuff about covid circulating around and you know creating chaos i want to be the type of doctor where at the same time i do practice medicine but at at the same time i have this way of like whatever i learned i want to give it back on social media where it's more accessible to everyone for free Keep uh, people's information up exactly. to date, even though you don't yeah. have, they don't have a medical degree. Exactly. Yeah. Or just like fun videos, like uh, difference between medicals and veterinary students, you know, like a competition kind of YouTube video <laughs> or something, you know, stuff like that, which I'm thinking I want to do. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that's very creative because I also find a deep dislike in the editing part, the background work. Yeah. This, this, it's amazing. Right here, yes, I can I do hours of. <laughs> we can I speak can for hours, but then when you come back home and like reviewing everything, like, damn. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Listening, the amount of times I've listened to my voice. Yeah. For hours on end after a podcast and thinking, what? You know, and then, so certain people, well, especially for me, I'm very self critical. I'm very, mm-hmm. which is a very good thing to have. How so? Self-critical in what aspect? In, uh, let's take this aspect of, I should have said this instead of that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. In the moment, you can't really yeah. dictate that, but yeah. due to the editing process I need to do, yeah. I often pick up, okay, you filled in, like, this guy was busy with a whole conversation and then ended his train of thought due yeah. to infiltrating while he's speaking you know stuff like that and obviously in other aspects of my life it also draws parallels to this self-critical mindedness but even though it is a bad thing I also find it sometimes a really good thing because that's true you can only grow if you see fault in it and you want to make a change in the fault if it makes sense and 
I don't know where I wanted to go with this point, but yeah. yeah. I no, I okay, the way I take your point is um obviously we're not perfect. And whenever I do like creative work like videos and everything, there's always something to what which I don't like. And I was like, oh, second guessing, should I just post it or not, you know? Yeah. But then at this point I've already invested so much time in it. I just post it regardless. And I kind of realize nowadays that people don't actually give a shit. You know, it's like they take in the information, whether they, whatever they want to use, they'll take it. Whatever they don't, they don't give a shit, you know. And that's also the aspect what I learned in uh, even in class where, you know, you can just walk in public and do something. At the end of the day, no one's going to remember you, you know. Like everyone has their own life to, ca- to take care of. So at this point, whatever I do, I do it for myself and kind of learn from the experience and then next time, obviously, I won't repeat it again. But I learned from it as an experience. And I know that whatever I post, at the end of the day, no one will care about, yeah. about it, you know. So I find it, um, how do you get to that almost agreement to yourself that, okay, I really want to post it. Yeah. A lot of people, because a lot of people get stuck in that yeah. motion of what are other people thinking? Yeah. What are other people thinking of yeah. this and that? And then... How did you come to the realization of, oh, they actually don't give a shit. Mm. I, I might be a hot topic for a week, maybe yeah. two days of conversation, yeah. and then it's on to the new thing. Uh, a lot of experience, I'll say. I mean, okay, I've been doing videos for over two years now, okay. ever since COVID. And then, um, obviously, I got so many negative comments. And back then, I'll say even last semester when I was posting Instagram Reels, I'll have friends who like, when they see me, they'll be like, oh, Zubair, I love your video. And then behind my back, be like, what the heck is he doing? You know, like all this negative yeah. stuff. And this really put me down. I was like, I started like kind of like just finding social media disgusting. And like, you know, what's the point of me making videos when I don't feel okay with posting it, you know? And then slowly down the line after meeting and also back in uni as well, I don't know how it is in vet, in vet school, but in medicine, it's very competitive. And the mm. friends I had back then... It was very kind of like oppression, you know. Whenever I posted a video, they would always just nitpick the bad stuff, you know, in the video, as if to help me improve. But it wasn't improving. It was just they were hating on it. And this really put me down. So for a couple of months, I even stopped making videos because I cared so much about what my friends were doing. But then slowly down the line, I kind of realized I'm making videos not for my friends because majority of the people are my friends, like my following. It's going to be people from different countries. And they don't know me personally. And the content that I'm making is for them. My, my they real friends, enjoy the content. Exactly. My real friends already know who I'm really for. You know, They already know me really well. So they don't need to know the version of me in the videos. Because they already know me really well. You know. Yeah. So that's the realization I came about where I'm making content for the people abroad who don't know me. And they want to side with me to get to know me. You know, And that's the only mean of communication is my videos. So that's why I came into the realization where I'm making the videos not for my friends. It's for the people who don't know me. Okay, so, yeah. that is that is a good realization. It's a stress to. also out of my shoulder. You know, it's like a burden to think over as well. So. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people are like that way. Mm. Especially if you're doing... It's very exposing. You expose yeah. yourself a lot yeah. by putting yourself on the internet that's true. in certain ways. I can definitely feel it for me. Mm. Like... For me, it was very, like I said earlier, it took a whole year for me just to decide, okay, I'm actually going to do this. Yeah. I'm not going to, the whole process was in my head. It was yeah. busy. 
the yeah. names were going, how am I going to structure it, who am I going to do this with, what is the... Yeah. All that took a whole year and then one day I was just like, no, it's time. Yeah. It's, it's been time. I've been feeling it was long the same enough. Thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's also, I would like to add on this whole realizing that you should rather live for yourself than for other people is that <clears throat> a lot of times it's better to be inferior than superior in the aspect of a lot of the times when you have like friends and stuff, mm-hmm. there's this, especially competitive friends, if I can say it like that, yeah. where once you make them feel inferior to you, yeah. where you're not doing anything, you're yeah. just doing you, but yeah. you are superior to them now because you're not just doing medicine. You are doing yeah. these videos, you are doing this, you yeah. look well after your body, all these things. And then as soon as you put someone else's inferior, it becomes this nitty gritty oh you did wrong here you did you know what i mean yeah Uh, and i think that is that is a very important point to like try and carry is to not to always like underplay yourself sometimes so that's that's a motto i would like to live to you're a man of experience (laughs) no no the experience is coming out (laughs) while while i'm (laughs) spewing it out Yeah, Yeah. yeah oh no damn that was some concise shit right there yeah, so maybe that is... You could be my psychologist, you know, at this point. <laughs> no, trust me. I'm the last person to go to be a psychologist for. I, uh, I, I have a good, a weird process of going through thoughts mm-hmm. via speaking. So a lot of the times I have a lot of thoughts in my head that yeah. goes around, but I need to talk about things and think about them to articulate them to actually yeah. get them out in a I don't know a meaningful way because most of the times I literally just talk shit I just spew nonsense I mean in my point it's not shit you're speaking facts yeah, sometimes yeah. yeah sometimes sometimes try to try to at least yeah yeah okay no sick yes. yeah we can have like 10 on time. minutes right on time yeah, like what is it 20 past I know it's like it's, a 19. Yeah. yeah do I have a closing argument? Or um, do you know what? This is uh, another episode of the oh, Good yeah. Vibes Only <laughs> podcast, the GVO yeah. podcast. Uh, we talked a lot about medicine, veterinary, uh, animal welfare, looking well after yourself, being creative. Mm-hmm. Bit of everything. A bit of everything. It was a real pleasure to have you Likewise. on. I, always Likewise. very nice. And uh, yeah. Thank you again for all the listeners out there and see you guys next week. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Cheers. Bye.